0: Beautiful. Getting confirmation from Sylvie and Rick Four that there is a piano now. Welcome, everybody. We're just about to get started. Uh, welcome, Amy. Amy from Texas. Blank, welcome back. Dylan, Eric, Eva, Fig, Jessica, John 927, KJ, Caitlin, Lampal, Landry, Lisa, Mark Schumlich, Mike, Murray, Olivia, Patrick and Lori, Peter, RJ, Rick Ford, Sylvie Home, Teresa Wilcox Family, C W, Jean from Jamaica, Sabbath Keeper and Seaweed. Those are, that are logged in, welcome, welcome back those that are not yet logged in and realize those that are logged in you have your family as well as well with you welcome we're just about to get started and i uh, just see a lovely note there from patrick and lori thanking us for our service thank you so much for your attendance and all your service as well we're just about to get start started today the sabbath service the sermon is entitled the church during times of unrest brought to us by murray Palmetier. we're just about to get started Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Sabbath Services here in from, from Burlington, Ontario, as well as the Ottawa congregations. We welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to get started today with the opening prayer. It's going to be brought to us by uh, one of our members in the uh, Ottawa congregation, a MAP candidate as well, Mr. Jim French.
1: Holy Father in heaven, God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God our healer, we joyfully come together um to worship together with you this sabbath day we thank you so much for the sabbath of rest that you give to us knowing that uh, where you human and and we can benefit so much from the rest that you give we thank you father for the sign that you've given to the church that we love one another and we ask father that you help us uh, keep that central in our our minds and our hearts that it's so important that we reach out to brethren and that we love each other. The idea of, uh, of love is often expressed in having a foot washing attitude, and we want to have that all year long, Father, that that we esteem others above ourselves. With world events happening all around us, we, we ask that you keep us together, keep us strong, keep us grounded and centered, Father, uh, centered in the church centered in your word and centered in the example of Jesus Christ and keep us close father pour out your spirit to help to keep us strong and keep us together and uh, we look forward now to uh, a message prepared by one of your ministers and we thank you for Mr. Pometeer we ask that you uh, inspire him and father open our hearts to understand the message and to and to really grow stronger based on what we hear we thank you for this opportunity we uh, we love you father and we uh, seek to um, serve you every day so uh, in jesus name we pray we thank you for all these things and look forward to um, uh, hearing more of your words once again in jesus name amen
0: Amen. Thank you so much uh brother Peter. I uh, sorry say uh, brother Jim. We're going to have brother Peter, Peter coming up uh, soon. We're going to have a hymn now and I should have mentioned as well. I apologize uh some of you may be uh, here for the first time. Welcome. We welcome you. If you want to find out more about our organization, just go to cgi.org, cgi.org that's Church of God International.org. You'll find out about us there. And uh Welcome as well for those who might be watching the replay and they're not with us live, so glad to have you as well. So at this time we'll have a hymn. It's entitled, Holy, Holy, Holy. Worship such a holy God. At this time, I I should say as well that uh, at this time, we're going to have the uh, scripture reading. It's going to be brought to us by our brother, Peter Wilcox, also from Ottawa. He's going to be reading Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. I therefore the prisoner of the the scripture up here for everyone to
2: read along. And we'll just get that right now.
1: Looks like uh, we might have trouble with
0: our brother Peter and the scripture reading. I'll go ahead and I'll I'll read the scripture. I think it looked like his uh, screen was frozen there. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture. So we're looking forward to hearing our brother, uh, Pastor Murray Palmetier, expand on that. At this time, though, we'll just have a, a few announcements. And we don't have many announcements. Uh, just uh, number one is our Ottawa brethren uh, have got the go ahead to uh, meet again to resume services. So they will go ahead next Sabbath. If you're in the Ottawa congregation, next Sabbath. You'll be having services live and in person in your regular hall. And you can reach out to uh, uh, Brother David or uh, Brother Jim to get the details there. And the other announcement then is just our weekly uh, Wednesday night Bible study. We're up to Judges chapter 10. Actually, we'll finish chapter 9. We didn't get through. We got about halfway through chapter 9. So we'll finish off uh, chapter 9 and hopefully go on to chapter 10 uh, this coming week. That's it for announcements. At this time, we'll have another hymn. Uh, this hymn will be, um, let's see, here it is, page number 57 in, in the hymn book. So we'll just go ahead and bring that up, page number 57 in your hymn book. And it's entitled, Open My Eyes That I May See. Open My Eyes That I May See. objective to hurt people, to offend people. It's our objective to get as many of God's people across the finish line and into the kingdom as possible. And so we take this responsibility very seriously. And if we're going to be accused of all kinds, if we're going to be persecuted, it it comes with the job. Uh, But we're, 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 we're going to commit ourselves to giving you the word of God. And so today, we're going to have the church During times of uncertainty, and it will be brought to us by our brother Pastor Murray Hamatir.
2: Thank you, Pastor Adrian, and good afternoon, everyone. As we uh, looks like we're coming to the end of our times of isolation. It certainly has been a a long run here, uh, three or four months without uh, contact with the brethren. I guess three is uh, certainly longer than we've ever gone. And Happy to see some of our brethren in the U.S. come finally coming back together these last number of weeks. And, and up here in Canada, I understand the Kawartha brethren, uh, small as they are, we're able to, because of their small size, we're able to get together uh, today uh, with some of these looser restrictions in some parts of our area. Uh, next week, we'll probably see many more of our congregations. I understand Kitchener uh, will be meeting le- likely next week. And as Pastor Adrian said, our Ottawa brethren will be doing that as well. In uh, the couple of congregations we have in the GTA, Burlington and Toronto, uh, the restrictions haven't loosened yet, so we're praying that that, would, that happens soon. But in the meantime, we're grateful to be able to bring you uh, this service here and certainly echo the words of Pastor Adrian that we just heard. So welcome, everyone. Now, last week's message was particularly eye-opening. Um, I learned so much from the message, as I know many of you did. There was plenty of feedback, um, some of it even during the live chat, during the message, as many of you saw. Uh, Not all positive, uh, but uh, it was what it was. Uh, Others wrote great and gratefully afterwards that how the message explained things to folks. Who did not understand the politics and the the behind the scenes details of what is going on in the unrest in the world today. I certainly learned a lot. What I also learned during the chat and following the chat is something that has taken up much of my week and has me, quite frankly, has had me all week bouncing around in a variety of emotions. Of all that I learned last week, what I cannot seem to shake or ignore is the fact that there are cracks in the body of Christ cracks in the body of Christ, how there can be such dichotomous reactions to a message. Reactions that were so positive and so grateful and so thankful from uh, and not from our congregations, but from congregations beyond ours. Additionally, there were there was a lot of negative feedback as well, which In the body of Christ, when there's such diverse reactions to a message is an indicator to me that there are cracks. And I couldn't shake that all week and certainly was involved in a lot of discussion and a lot of interaction on that. Emotions of surprise, anger and sadness at the infiltration of parts of the body were emotions that I felt for much of the week. As I stared at a blank computer screen to come up with a message for today. How do I address the issue that took up most of my week? Do I ignore it and simply fill the time with a feel-good Christian living message just to fill the time slot and hope that it benefits some? Or do I acknowledge the apparent opportunities? In the business world, we call these opportunities. Or cracks in the body of Christ. Do I take my role seriously and help to fix, help, and secure the body of Christ? Now I use the term job. When I take my job seriously. I use that term very loosely. We all have a variety of roles that we fill. You, everyone, everyone watching here fills a number of roles each and every day. Some of mine include husband, father, son, brother, uncle, friend, disciple of Christ, and elder or minister. None of these are paid, including the eldership is not paid, So, and I certainly wouldn't want it any other way. But it is a role that I agreed to, and one that I must take seriously. Truth is... I'm saddened. At the end of the week, through the shock, the surprise, the anger, sadness is what I came to at the end of the week. Don't worry. I don't, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'll be fine. But after a heavy week of interaction, I came to the end of the week sad. Sad to see cracks in the body of Christ. Sad that after a productive purposeful feast of weeks where we all did our very best given the circumstances of our isolation to work towards coming together in one accord to celebrate one of God's holy appointed times to discover in some areas and in some aspects we really aren't of one accord not by a long shot again I'm not asking for sympathy. Don't feel, don't feel sad for me because that's the emotion I I experienced this week. This sadness gives me purpose. We have brethren listening in where this issue of race relations simply doesn't affect them. It's, it's not on their radar. They live in parts of the world where it's, where it's not, it's not prevalent. Others listening in find themselves smack dab in the middle of So my quandary is this. How do I provide an edifying message that speaks to the heart of the issue? Providing edification for all. For those where race relations really isn't an issue, it's it's not an issue. And to others where it really is an issue, where it really is an issue. How do I provide a message of of edification to all? And that edification only comes should one have the desire to work through the digestion process in making God's word change their hearts. So today, I just want to talk. As I, as I went through this message at the beginning of the process, I really didn't know what, where it would go. In my, my prayers before God, I just asked him to guide me. My, my, my aim was to simply talk to you open up my heart to share my thoughts about these, about where we find ourselves locally here. Let's talk and continue this discussion in a rational manner. Again, as I, as I project myself back to when I began putting this message together, I really didn't know where it was going to lead. Typically, for those of you who know me, I lay out a, my message in a framework. It's It's very organized. I, have something I want to get to, a, a, a concluding point or, or several concluding points or that I, that I want to come to, and then systematically through a framework, work through the scriptures to get to that point or points in a methodical way. Today's not going to be one of those days. Today I want to take you through my thought process and talk. Talk to you about how we can continue to repair cracks in the body of Christ. For those of you looking for a title, you see it on your screen. I'm titling this message, The Church During Times of Unrest. Let's begin our talk by going to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. We're going to read a few verses here in Deuteronomy 28. We'll begin in verse 1. Now it shall come to pass... If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to carefully, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord, your God, will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Then he proceeds to walk through the various blessings that obedience to his ways Will provide people. We won't take time right now to go through that. Let's drop down to verse 15, and we'll see the counter to this. So he opens up here by saying, "If you're going, if you observe carefully all that I command you, here's will here will be the blessings that you will that you will receive." Verse 15. But it shall come to pass if you do not. Obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be. I think I went dark. Sorry about that. Somehow my, my phone, my camera went dark. I apologize. Let's, let's uh, pick it back up here in Deuteronomy 28, verse 16. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion and rebuke and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. And that's a key, that's a key part to that passage of scripture. You can take time to read the remaining verses. We'll just go down to verse 25. And see that the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. You shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. And then he proceeds to expand upon the cursings that come for disobedience. Let's be honest. The world is full of evil. Because it is not following the prescribed way to peace and happiness. So please don't be surprised that unrest fills the world. God told us from the very beginning. Here's we read, what happens when we obey and follow his way and what happens when his way his ways are not followed. Don't be surprised that we see such evil in the world, such unrest. Especially as we see this world drift further and further away from God. And we see it here in our parts of the world. It wasn't that long ago that prayer was in schools, that the Ten Commandments could be hung in schools. People weren't necessarily devoted to Christ the way you and I are, but there was a there was a, a, a respect for law and order that is gone today. So don't be surprised that the world is full of evil and unrest. Back to verse one. The last half. Where where Moses says here that the Lord will set you high above all nations of the earth. God here chose a people to work through, a people to convey his to work with in covenant. And this verse causes problems for some. Some say And ironically, the ancestors of these people took that to mean that they were very special people because God set them high. That's not what God was trying to do here. They weren't special of their own accord. Let's go read this same concept from the words of our Savior himself in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 14. You are, you are the light of the world. As Christ here begins his ministry. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works. And. Therefore, glorify your father in heaven. God didn't select a people because they were superior to other peoples. He selected a people so that he, God himself, could model his way for the world to see so that all could come to the fullness of God. I'm sad to say that in some areas, we aren't the best models of this way of life in the church today. We have some room for improvement. Let's go to first let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Continue this line of my thought process. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 9. And again, as with anything, this is context, so we get the context, we go back much further to the, and we see the, the chaos and the times of trouble that Peter is writing into the church. And here as we jump into the middle of the context here, we read, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're talking to the covenant people, those who at this point in time have given their life to Christ, have re- have re- repented fully repented and received the holy spirit and have received forgiveness you are a royal priesthood a holy nation we sang just before about holy 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 that comes from this part of this part of uh, first peter covers that as he quotes the torah his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is our purpose to proclaim his praises who were one, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Notice that point there. This is the purpose of God's elect. First, first, through the covenant that he made with Abraham, then selected through the descendants of his grandson Jacob, and now extended today into the body of Christ because of the perfect life that our Savior lived, qualifying to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords, our Master, our Savior, our High Priest, our mediator our Mediary, for those who repent and choose to follow him in obedience. But as we read here in verse 10, Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This very clearly tells us that we in the body of Christ are different. We were once something out there. In fact, we were just a motley crew of individuals. It says here, you you once weren't a people. You're just a bunch of individuals. But now you are a singular collective here. You are the people of God. We were something out there. Now we are something else in here within the body of Christ. I can't get around this plain and simple fact. We are called to be different, called to be one people, united in spirit, not divided. Yet in some areas, we evidently are. We evidently are. Let's go to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. In my interaction this week, this scripture kept was brought up several times from several different fronts. So let's turn to it. Let's not avoid it. Let's turn to it. Proverbs 31. We'll read verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. In my interactions this week, this verse was brought up that we need to get on the bandwagon to plead the cause of the poor and needy. So let's address that. Is there injustice in this world? Is there racial injustice in this world? Absolutely there is. Absolutely there is. It can be found in so many ways. Was George Floyd the victim of murder at the hands of a white police officer? Yes. He was brutally murdered. There's no other way around this. As you heard Pastor Adrian stipulate at the beginning of his message last week, he led off with this slaughter of this man named George Floyd. There are a lot of poor and needy people in this world. Beset by a variety of circumstances. Some are self-inflicted, but not all. Some. Some are self-inflicted, but not all. Some of these circumstances that affect people have been inflicted upon people by choices of their parents, but not all. Some of these circumstances that beset people in this world have been inflicted by others of different skin color, but not all. There are a myriad of different people who fall into this category. What role does the church play here? Let's talk about the context of this book. Because this is the concluding chapter. Let's not cut two verses out and paste them onto a blank page. Without understanding the context of the entire book. As Solomon puts together these proverbs, let's go back to the beginning and see the purpose of this book. Back in Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. We'll begin at the very beginning. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. Proverbs 1, verse 1. King of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice judgment and equity all of these things that the world is crying out for we see here that's the purpose of the, that's this book is calling them out to give prudence to the simple to the young man knowledge and discretion and that takes experience and time and in god's church the holy spirit A wise man will hear and increase learning. Wise man won't talk. Wise man will listen and increase his learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. And here is the basis of the entire book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The poor and needy that we read about in those two verses that are cut and pasted out of the out of Proverbs 31. The poor and needy are most in need of God's way. That's what they're most in need of. Why are there poor and needy in this world? Why are why are there those that have been our victims of various injustice, injustices, including race, because mankind has chosen not to follow God's way. That's why there are injustices in this world. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. We read it. We read it. Let's, let's read it again. Let's read it again. Deuteronomy 28. We kick God out of schools. We kick Christianity out of our culture. Yet the answer to our ills is right here. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you, They will. Cursed will you be in the city. And cursed you will be in the country. Cursed will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed will be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. The increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in. and Cursed shall you be when you go out. Why don't we believe this? That's what the poor and the needy of this world are most in need of. God's ways. That's the key to happiness. That's the key to racial injustices being a thing of the past. God's ways. That's the key. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20 as I walk you through my thought process here as to the variety of emotions I went through this week my interactions with God's people. Proverbs 20, we know these to be the Ten Commandments. Back on Pentecost, in the message that I gave, we walked through the commandments in a story-like fashion. I want to return there to the third commandment and read just verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This commandment, as we talked about on Pentecost, is so much more than simply not using the names of God or Christ as curse words. Remember what we read in 1 Peter, what we read in Matthew 5, what we read in Deuteronomy 28. That we used to be something else, but we are now the people of God. We used to be not a people. But we are now the people of God. Why? Because we carry his name. Because when we went down into the baptismal waters, repented and pledged to follow him through thick and thin, to allow the Holy Spirit to come inside of us and to mix with our human character and change us over the process of time to become more like our Savior, We carry his name. And what each of us does in our lives, good and bad, reflects upon his holy, righteous, and perfect name. All that we do reflects upon that. So don't take his name lightly. When you committed to this way of life in baptism, you took his name upon you. Don't take that lightly. When we choose... Here on this earth, in our interactions, to place our name behind a cause that fights for people. Don't forget, or in any cause, when we place our name behind any cause, when we commit any action, when we do anything, when we play sports, when we uh, join the ladies auxiliary, when we when we get together with people after work, whatever it is that we do. Remember, we carry the name of God. And all that we do, both good and bad, shines upon his name. When we place our name behind causes, don't forget that you are representing your Father in heaven. And by extension, the entire body of Christ. We are all connected to each other. So my actions affect you. Your actions affect me. And all of our actions as one people shine or don't shine light and glory upon God. He says so. He says so. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28. There is evil in this world. We, But as people who possess the name of God, who've committed our lives to Jesus Christ. We read this before, but I want to read it again. Because sometimes I'm afraid we don't grasp this concept. Now what shall come to pass in verse 1? If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God and follow his ways, you're not perfect, I understand that. But if we are blameless, this biblical word blameless or devout or or any of these number and number of other adjectives, where we have a purpose in life and we're following as best we can, his ways. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country, and blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. That's the answer to their ills. That's the answer to the evils that beset the people of this world. I never see this conveyed in the social media presence of God's people. I never see this part of the message. I understand and I get the need to fight for the causes of the poor and the needy, to be a voice. I understand that concept. I understand the importance that many feel. But I don't see this, the true need, Part of our social media interaction at all? Why not? Why not? It's certainly not for a lack of boldness because those in social media are very bold about their thoughts. Why not here? Why not include this part of the message? Let's go to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verse 1 to 3 to start. There are two ways to handle problems of this world. And Paul goes through them here. Verse 1, Colossians 2. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Again, the, the oneness of God's people is important. Being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, this process that it takes for us to come to the maturity in Christ, this completion, the, the word perfection in the King James version, which is really completion, this word teleos, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures Of wisdom and knowledge. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are here in the word of God. That's all we need. That's all we need. We see these hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that hints directly to the book of Proverbs. Directly to the book of Proverbs. Which goes through. As as you will, would read in the first few chapters, the maturing process between knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. You want to help those beset by persecution? Show them the book of Proverbs. Start there. Because then it guides the reader back to the law of God that leads to happiness. We're really concerned about the poor and needy of this world? Guide them to here. That's what the church does in times of unrest. I heard this question many, many times this week within regard to race relations. Why doesn't the church do something about this? The church, admittedly, and unfortunately, the reality of the fact is we're full of human beings, the leadership of the ministry included. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But much has changed over the years. And we must continue to change where we're led by God. But let's look, please, at what we have done. Let's look at what the church has done. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 11. We'll begin in verse 11. And this list here is not a hierarchical list, as some think, but is a list of gifts to the church. And he himself, referring to Jesus Christ, the head of this church, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers... For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, that singular collective word that describes the people of God, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, be immature, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Read back in Colossians about these treasures that reveal the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. Everything else is the trickery of men. Not my words, the words of the Holy Writ. But speaking the truth in love, May some may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. And for those of you who are parents. We all know there's things there are times for tough love. And sometimes the church. Needs to go experience tough love from God. So that we may see where we are lacking. And become better. Speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, this one unit we keep reading about, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, meaning everybody has a purpose. Everybody contributes to the health and growth and fitness of the body. According to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When we become part of the body of Christ and we share in this Holy Spirit, it becomes, I wanted to use the word self-feeding, but it's really God feeding us through his Holy Spirit, through the oneness of the body. So what have, the church needs to do more? What have we, what have we done was the question I asked. We've equipped you to go and take the word of God to the poor and the needy. That's why we teach the body of Christ each Sabbath. That's why there are articles written in print and on websites and Bible studies. So that the saints, you, are equipped for service. That's how the church can do more. That's what we are doing. Equipping you to take the word of God to the poor and the needy. Last feast here in Canada. We had 20 young people in the CGI. We, we call them the infuse group in Canada. We combine our infuse group and our night group, the late teens to, to early adulthood to attend three days of sessions, Bible studies, um, uh, interactive sessions. Many of you who were there reached out to me this week. You'll recall we walked through several of the first chapters of the book of Proverbs to show the maturing progression from knowledge to understanding to wisdom and how that applies in our lives. We interactively talked about all the various ways it applies in our lives. We even took some of the sermons at the feast and walked through some of them through this lens of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And how the book of Proverbs can be a launching pad for those who want to come to an understanding of the Bible and of God's ways and come to a life in Christ. We spent three hours or more combined in these sessions going through this. That wasn't just to fill time slots on a schedule and to check off some boxes. It was to equip you to minister to the poor and needy that we read about in Proverbs 31. How many How many in your search for justice have pointed anyone to the Bible? Maybe you have. I don't see a whole lot of it. How have any of you used the equipping of the saints that you have received over the years to point people to the word of God as the source to rid themselves of all that beset them? We pour our hearts and souls into the edifying and preparation of the saints during the time that we can carve out from our jobs and our families, only to be asked the church, only to be told the church isn't doing anything. We're preparing you each and every week to serve. We're not perfect. There are many ways we could be better. Of course, we'll be the first to acknowledge that. we're preparing you each and every week to go and serve so go and serve go and take this word to someone that you care about that you are so concerned about that is beset by the evils of this world and show them the right way to live but do so properly properly let's go back to colossians and see what i'm talking about here This is the church in times of unrest. This is where we can make a difference. Colossians 2, back where we were. We read the first three verses talking about, pick it up here in verse uh, 2, just for context. being knit together in love and attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then Paul goes through and presents the other option. Now I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ that's an important characteristic in the body of Christ steadfastness it refers to purposefulness it refers to effort and hard work and, and 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 purpose as you therefore in verse 6 have received Christ Jesus Lord so walk in him there is a way to be These to to Grasp these hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge and, transform, and have them transform your character that is manifest in our behavior. Walk in him. Rooted, solidly rooted, like, a, like the big Douglas firs in the B.C. forests. And built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it, Swimming in it, being, being filled by it, being covered in it with thanksgiving. And then the warning of the other side, the other option. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the, to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all in principality and power. God makes it very plain. There are two ways. The hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge that is found in the word of God or the basic principles of the world. So you can put everything into one of those two categories according to the scripture here that I read. When we use sources other than the hidden treasures of God, we are playing with fire. This is why we heard warnings last week against a particular movement, a particular resource called Black Lives Matter, because it is a philosophy that doesn't come from the Bible. So it's just a warning. It's just a warning. Because here in the scriptures, I read the word warning. Beware. Beware is a form of the word warning. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Paul is clear here. It comes from God or it doesn't. And he uses this phrase, cheat through philosophy and empty deceit. What's the origin of this? What's the origin of this this concept? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Again, as you allow me to convey my thoughts, and I appreciate the opportunity to convey my thoughts to you as we understand the conditions that surround us. Genesis chapter 3, remember we're looking at this cheating through philosophy and empty deceit. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, you're very familiar with this story. Now the serpent was more cunning, notice the word, cunning, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Satan uses half-truths to derail God's people. From the the outset, she ate that piece of fruit. And you know what? She didn't die. Not that day. Not in the way that Satan presented it. So that's a half-truth. But for food to be able to open your eyes so that you can discern good and evil, that was the lie. But it was enticing because what she thought she knew from God was packaged in such a way by the adversary to make it enticing to follow a different way. Really, I can, I can become like God like he said, but disobey him? If he used blatant lies, few would fall for it but he uses half-truths to deceit. And we see this word cunning connects right to that passage in Colossians 2 and in verse 8 and 9 that we read about. Does racism exist? Yes, it does. The world is an evil, evil, evil place. Do some people coming into God's church, coming into the body of Christ, suffer from the effects of racial persecution? Yes. Yes, they do. Some do. Are movements like Black Lives Matter the answer? Not according to scripture. Does it give a voice to the downtrodden? Do these movements give a voice to the downtrodden? Maybe at first glance, because it's packaged nicely. It's packaged with half-truths that racism is wrong. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. Racism is wrong. Racism is prevalent in some areas of the world. I can't disagree with that. But it's packaged nicely to hit trigger words, just like Satan did to Adam and Eve. But anything outside of the Bible, we are warned time and again to beware from the word of God himself. Not from any minister, but from the word of God the word of God let's go back to Colossians 2 and and look at one last point in that, that passage Colossians 2 because this, this came up in conversation uh, several conversations this, this week as well verse 9 Colossians 2 verse 9 for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power and you know what we aren't complete yet That's right. That's right. We are incomplete. We have not reached that level of teleos, that level of completion or perfection, again, as we read in the King James Version. We're not there yet. So let's acknowledge we're we're not there yet. Of course not. People coming to Christ are in a state of disrepair. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We read First Peter about being one body, united in spirit. Galatians 3, verse 26. Keep in mind what we're talking about being in a state of disrepair. We'll come back to that. Verse 26 of Galatians 3. For you are all sons of God. Again, Galatians 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God, this collective unit, through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are part of that group, the ideal that, God, that Paul states on behalf of God Himself, the level of ideal that we need to attain is that there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. linking back to that covenant we talked about all the way back. You recall, we talked about that on Pentecost and heirs according to the promise. This supports what we read in first Peter, that we are one body united by God's Holy spirit. And there's no room for differences, but let's acknowledge that we're broken. Let's acknowledge that we're not there yet, but it is the place we need to attain and work towards. I have spent my entire life, I'm going to use a phrase here that I wasn't afraid to use before. I've spent my entire life not seeing color, which apparently now in some areas means I do have biases against certain people, as I've been told a few times this week. Let me be clear. When the people of God, I don't mean the people in this world, when the people of God who are striving hard to attain the fullness of Christ. Use that phrase. I'll speak for myself. When I use that phrase as a child of God, that I don't see color. What I mean is that your color doesn't affect how I see you. It doesn't affect how I see you. I see you, if whatever color you are, as a brother or sister in Christ Jesus. That's how I see you. I see you as part of the body of Christ. I see a hopeful first fruit that I pray I get to work alongside to help Christ fulfill the remainder of his plan. It may pose an issue for you out in this world. I I get that. But it shouldn't pose an issue in the church. And it doesn't for me. I can't state this any plainer. I can't state this any plainer. But you're right. We are not yet complete. We are a work in progress. So let's talk about that. I said we would talk about the thoughts that I have walking through these concepts all week. Let's talk about this. We are a work in progress. We aren't complete. There are some of our brethren. There are some of our brethren who have been victim of racial persecution. This can affect how they view the church, how they view their fellow brethren, how they view interpretations of scripture, even how they view things brethren say. Sometimes the glasses we view the world through place interpretations on words that were never intended by the speaker. Overcoming the ramifications of this persecution is part of the healing process. That's why these scripture, the scripture is here. These scriptures about being one—that they're neither Jew nor Greek, or slave nor free—because that's the ideal we need to work hard to attain. While understanding that some are broken, but we don't sit in our brokenness. We don't sit in our brokenness. There are victims of racial persecution. But guess what? And I hope this doesn't bother anyone. But it is a truth I must convey. As a minister who counsels many people from a variety of backgrounds in their walk with Christ, there are many people who are afflicted by many forms of persecution. And this doesn't in any way way, demean any other form of persecution. This doesn't make any other form of persecution better or worse than another. But it helps us understand where people come from so we can help them attain the fullness of Christ. That's what it does. Understanding the past helps us work towards the future, not wallow in it, but work towards the fullness of Christ. God calls, much like he calls victims of racial persecution, God calls victims of rape. It's a fact. God calls victims of rape. We have men and women interacting within the body of Christ. This may, in the growth process, in the healing process, present hurdles for victims of this vile evil that we call rape. This disgusting vile evil that we call rape. This may present hurdles of trust in their healing process that need to be overcome within the body of Christ. God also calls victims of parental abuse. I know some. God calls victims of parental abuse. They struggle in how they view God as Father. And that struggle needs to be overcome so that they develop a relationship with God that is full. That is not based on their past, but is based on the trueness and fullness of God himself. So that they can grow into a fruitful servant of Christ. But he calls victims of parental abuse. God calls victims of authoritarian abuse. I know some of those too. There's a struggle in how they view the ministry. when We link that into the church. There's a struggle in how they view the ministry. Servants who put their life on the line to protect, serve, and feed the flock. And I've been so blessed over the many years by so many ministers of God who've helped me in my walk, who have foregone time with their families to help me, who've foregone opportunities that they may have to help me in my walk. And I'm sure you have too. But if you come from a past of authoritarian abuse, it takes time to heal so that you view leadership in the church as a help, not a hindrance. All the help that they have done, while at the same time trying to protect protect the church from outside forces seeking to devour it and trying to work on their own problems because ministers have their own issues. They have their own walk with Christ, their own flaws, yet they give so much. In addition to brethren that God calls from racial persecution, from sexual persecution, from parental persecution, from authoritarian persecution, God also calls victims of false doctrine. People who've had their mindset swayed through years and years and years in false truths. And that in itself is a struggle to root out falsehoods and come to a deeper understanding of God's truth. You're right. You're right. We aren't complete yet. But we all have struggles. We all have struggles. No one struggle is more important than another. Because unchecked and unrepaired, my struggle will keep me out of the kingdom of God, just like yours will, if it's not repaired. So I may not understand fully racial persecution, but I understand my struggle. And I need to overcome that struggle. And so, and you need to overcome yours. But all of God's people come from a variety of backgrounds and persecutions and struggles. Understand that God sets the ideal for us in Scripture. And in our teaching, we must set the ideal as our goal. That must be our ideal. That must be what we teach. We can interact after the fact about our personal struggles in attaining that ideal and help each other through. But we must set the bar based on the Scripture of God. This doesn't mean we're unsympathetic to individuals who are currently in their struggles to attain that ideal. We're we're all struggling to attain the ideal. We're all on a journey, but we must aim high, through the help of the Holy Spirit, to rid the body of Christ of characteristics that bring shame upon the name of God. That he gave us, that name he gave us, and that name that unites us as one. But each struggle is important. Every struggle is important. But to be in line with God's word, we must want to overcome them. We can't continue to be comfortable in our pasts. We must work to come out of them. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20. For if, 2 Peter 2, verse 20, for if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. That's why we read warnings from Paul about seeking resources outside of Scripture. Seeking other voices besides God and Jesus Christ that speak for us. Because we are warned, we read the warning, beware, in Colossians 2, that to become entangled in them again is a big, big problem. Verse 21, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's the danger all of us face with whatever past we're trying to come out of. With whatever past we're trying to come out of. Whatever issues that, be, that have beset you, that you sought help from God as you repented. Whatever past that you came out of that harmed your mind. We can't can't go back to it. We need to pull people up out of it through the word of God, showing them there's a way, showing them there is an answer. This is why we must work together to root this out from our own minds. But it takes building relationships. It takes forbearing with one another as they work things out in their own past. But we have to strive. We have to always be striving for the ideal that scripture sets for us this is the way of god it's interesting that we read this let's go back and grab the context and read two more verses beginning in verse 18 it's interesting concept here because it links right back to what paul was talking about in colossians 2 for when they speak great swelling verse 18 when they speak great swelling words of emptiness the allure through the lusts of the flesh through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error, they allure those who have escaped in error, who have escaped the errors. Why tempt yourself to go back? While they promise them liberty, while they package it up like Satan did for Eve, they package up this liberty, which really isn't liberty at all. It's slavery to Satan. When we when we involve ourselves with anything outside the scriptures. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And then we proceed into what we just read. But that's the context. and How much we are warned not to involve ourselves in solutions that aren't from scripture. Why is this critical to our survival as members of the body of Christ? Let's go to Revelation chapter one. This here is an entire book, an entire book dedicated to warning God's people of the hurdles, pitfalls and events that will precede the return of our savior. We talk all the time about his return. It's when we, are, when we are gathered together on Sabbath, when we are fellowshipping, we all talk about the return of Jesus Christ and how much we're looking forward to it and how great that day will be when he descends out of the clouds and lands on Mount Olives, the Mount of Olives, and it finally returns. But too often it seems like we stick our heads in the sand. about uh, what the times will be like for the body of Christ before that, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, which the Father gave to Christ to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and We've learned this before in, in the studies on Revelation that this particular Greek verb to read in its current, in, in its form means to, it is perpetual to read and keep reading. Blessed is he who reads and keeps reading and those who hear and keep hearing the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written, which are, which are written in it for the time is near. Sometimes we stick our heads in the sand when we talk glowingly about the return of Christ. Forgetting how important the strength and the perseverance that will be required of God's people. Let's go to Revelation 12. And this is not meant to be a downer. This is just meant to be a reality, a reality check. That is, It is critically important that we strive to attain the oneness that God expects in his body. Verse 13, no when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth. He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And then the key. The dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and the testimonies of Christ. That's what's in store. That's why we need to come together. That's why we need to to work hard through the help of the Holy Spirit in building trust in one another, in ridding ourselves of the, the the snares that hold us back, our past that we've come out of, that we reach hard for this this level that God sets, this ideal level that God sets. This is what is on the hearts and minds of the ministry, preparing the body of Christ to withstand this. It may be you. It may be your children. We simply don't know. We don't know when this will take place. But we must prepare the body of Christ to withstand this. If we don't, we will have failed in our mission as overseers of the flock. If you read this revelation from Jesus Christ himself, you'll note, read it, you'll note that events are promised to get worse and worse. And it's not just here. In Matthew, and Daniel, we're so blessed. To have the prophecies of God's word. Read them. Gird your loins, as Peter says. Gird the loins of your mind. So that we can prepare to withstand. The unrest we see now, and it's there. Just got to turn the news on. It's there. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. We don't know when things will ramp up. But scriptures say they will. If we allow the unrest today, at the very, very beginning of the unrest, the this is just the beginning of sorrows. And we're not even sure this is the beginning of sorrows, but it seems like it. So if this is just the beginning of sorrows, it's the beginning of sorrows. If we let this unrest during the period of beginning of sorrows derail us, we'll never make it through what's coming. When the dragon begins to wage war. On the body of Christ, when he makes war with the saints, that too is what saddened me this week. To see part, to see the state of the parts of the body of Christ made manifest this week, that we are not as one. We are not focused on reaching the ideal of the unity that God expects in his body. I mentioned, as we begin to conclude, as I come to the end of my thought process for today, I mentioned that I worked through a variety of emotions this week. Shock, shock, at the interaction of some during a worship service. Anger, as I peeled back the layers of, onion, of the onion to, re- to reveal cracks that I saw hints at, but that really came to light. Anger, because it felt like all the work that we've been doing has been for naught. Then sadness, to see how much work is left to do. But then I realized I'm thinking of myself. And I need to stop being angry, stop being sad, stop being shocked, and be resolved. Be resolved. I also mentioned that I was at a loss for where the sermon was going to go. And that I would just start talking. And in my preparation, that's, that's all I did. I just started talking to see where this would go. And as I prepared my notes, that's exactly what I did. Just started talking on paper. Something has changed in me over the last several hours of preparing this message. As I walked through my emotions using the pages of scripture, I'm resolved now more than ever. We can't let the outside influence of Satan infiltrate the body of Christ. I understand that there's pain. I understand many are in pain. But there are many suffering from many different pasts. Each each one's suffering from each one's past is important in its own right, and none are more important than the other. But each is incredibly important for you. The resolutions come from the pages of scripture. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. Verse 4. And I heard another voice. Again, context is absent here. We're I'm going to extract this principle here. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. We must diligently extract ourselves from the evils of this world. Not Join them in them. We can be sympathetic. We can cry when we see evil. But the answer that we give them is here. That's our answer. Lest you receive of her place. Lest you join them in the punishments that are naturally they are receiving because of their violation of God's holy, righteous, and perfect way. That we read about in Deuteronomy. Let's conclude in Ephesians chapter 4. what we have the scripture reading. Ephesians chapter 4. I thank you for your time. I thank you for listening. I thank you for allowing me to open my heart. To you. Ephesians chapter 4. and verse 1. I therefore. Paul speaking the prisoner of the Lord, a slave to Christ. And there's nothing more free than being a slave to Jesus Christ. Beseech you, beg you, implore you. I get down on my knees and plead with you, Paul says. Walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. That name that was bestowed upon you by God himself as a child of his. Walk worthy of that name. Walk worthy of the calling that we agreed to. With lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another who may not see the world through your eyes, but your goals are the same, fullness in Christ. Bear with each other as we all work on our flaws, to come to the fullness in Christ, put up with one another, forbear with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's an interesting couple of Greek words here that were pointed out to me that were brought to my attention this week. The first is this word endeavor, and it's the Greek word spudazzo, spudazzo, 4704 if you're taking notes. In Strong's, And it means to endeavor, to do diligence, to be diligent, to give diligent, to be forward, to labor, to study, to hasten, to make haste, to exert oneself, to give diligence, to try so hard, to, to as Paul beseeches and implores and gets on his knees to beg, he's expecting that same type of passion. And then the word keep. The word keep means to guard, observe, or watch over. That's an important understanding. uh, 5083 in Strong's, the word terio. We must diligently work hard with a sense of urgency to guard the unity and peace in the body of Christ. That's what Paul is on his knees begging of us. There is one body, he continues, and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. As we work through the issues that are evidently there, tough conversations may be part of the healing process. Let's love God enough Not to shy away from them, but to work through them with patience and rational conversation. Let's talk. Let's talk. We share the name of the Holy One of Israel. When we went under the waters of baptism, he bestowed upon us his name. Let's resolve to work to glorify him, to fix the cracks when we find them in the body of Christ, when they're shown to us. Not so that my feelings may be justified, not so that your feelings may be justified, but so that God and Jesus Christ are glorified by a bride that has made herself ready. This is the mission of the church during times of unrest. Wow,
0: uh, brother Murray, thank you so much for just sharing your heart with us. Uh, it was such a very powerful message. I think because you were just so transparent, and I'm just uh, very sorry uh, for the turmoil, the, the, the grief that you experienced this week. But you know, look look what came out of it.
2: I'm I'm not sorry. I'm I'm yeah. I'm
0: grateful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. We're grateful. Uh, for you and for your love for the body of Christ. Thanks for the message today, brother. Well, brethren, uh, let's be truly grateful for what God is doing for us. And as our brother said, you know, let's talk and let's have such a love for God and such a passion for his people that it doesn't matter what the issues are. Uh, It's like a great marriage that there's just there's no way we're going to abandon our spouse. We've made this covenant with our spouse. We've made this covenant with our God. When we were baptized, we've actually made a covenant with each other to discern the Lord's body, and to truly love each other. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then I think it's appropriate uh, that we sing together precious name. So we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll sing precious name. Our Heavenly Father, we pause now before we conclude to acknowledge you and to thank you so much father Uh, we know christ told us uh, we're going to suffer in this world that anybody who names the name of christ will suffer persecution if we desire to live godly in this world there are people who will oppose us because they do not want christ as pastor murray said we've taken christ out of the schools we're trying to expunge him from society altogether and because we choose to hold on We are going to suffer persecution. And Christ did say to us that through the unity in the body, this is how all men will will know that we are his disciples. And so, Father, we pray that whatever we are going through, the various emotions we're going through, that we would love truth above all. And we would be willing to face ourselves and face Whatever teachings we may be trying to hold on to and compare them to the scripture and hold on to what is true and just rid ourselves of what is false and not bring falsehood into the church. We know difficult times are ahead, as Pastor Murray uh, shared with us from your word. We pray now, Father, that you'll help us to take it seriously that your name is upon us. Help us to truly pursue earnestly to endeavor with all of our heart and zeal. To show ourselves approved before you. And help us, Father, to guard what's been given to us. And help us as well to share it with others, to share the solution with others. Whatever platform we have, if it's social media, those that are on social media, that they point, regardless of opposition that they may face, that they point men to Christ. We praise you, God, and we thank you. We know that there are cracks in the body, we know that there are wheat and tares, and the tares have to stay lest we uproot the wheat, but we do pray, Father, that you'll help us to mend the cracks, to look after each other, and to have that heart that we all want to rise together when Christ returns. Protect us, Father. Bless us. Bless us all, Lord. Heal us. Transform us as we seek your way. We pray in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So, Brethren, as I mentioned, we will have this opportunity now to uh, sing Precious Name, and let me just make sure that I have the correct scriptures up, or or I should say not scriptures, but the um, the lyrics so that you can sing along, and I just want to make sure that the application will come up for me to bring up these lyrics. I'll do it another way. Give me one moment. There we go. Hopefully, uh, you're seeing that clearly, and um, we will have that him now. Precious name. <laughs>